disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. All right, back with another episode this week. My friend Cameron Mills, the co-host and co-executive producer of this program, he's back with us. We're going to talk about quiet quitting. This is a huge thing. It's a big trend. A lot of people in the news have been talking about it. What the heck is it? We'll explain. And then we'll dive into whether or not it's a good thing or not. So we're going to talk a lot about work ethic. And then the most creative thing we've ever done to be productive, to make revenue. When we were kids, how do we make money? All of that coming up next. But first, our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, help make this program possible Check out the Google reviews on these guys. If you're in Louisville, Southern Indiana, or Oldham County, this is the place if you want to redesign your kitchen and have it be your dream kitchen. Uh, Kathy writes, worked with Tim and his team on the kitchen remodel, and I couldn't be happier. I'll use them again if I have another kitchen and bath project. Uh, Amy says, Angela's vision, their designer, for our new kitchen was spot on. The team at LCC showed up when they said they would, and they were awesome. I highly recommend them. They do something that I like. Uh, it's a term I call SAS, service after the sale. They're going to be with you all the way through the process, help you design the kitchen of your dreams, get it all put in for you, and then make sure you're happy with everything. Call them at 502-930-3304, 502-930-3304, or go to LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. They also have cabinets in stock, high quality, just about any style, affordable, no supply chain crisis issues if you are a do-it-yourselfer. So make it happen. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. All right, now our conversation about quiet quitting with my friend Cameron Mills, where we join the conversation amidst technical problems. See, it's amazing now that it works. To tell Gus he's a genius, even though he didn't technically do anything this time, we just were idiots, or right. I was an idiot. Oh, we're totally idiots, uh, but I'm going to tell him exactly how brilliant I am. <laughs> <laughs> and and how stupid you are and well that's, that's fine I, that is completely fair that's my point is that i mean literally of course it makes sense that the usb bar should be turned up because i'm connecting to my phone via usb or right. connecting to my computer via usb i love this because like nobody listening really knows what we're talking about other than the fact that we're not technical people and no. here, here we sit Wait a minute. have you started recording of again of course of, Why do you do this to me? Because it's you are a fun. you are a veteran of of radio and media <laughs> exactly. and live on air interactions. You're supposed to do a countdown. Three, two, go. Right. right? You, the, the one is silent because you want that deadbeat silence. So there's no kind of clitter clatter in between. So the producer, God willing, we had one, would be able to make it sound good. So but, this is this is twice in a row you've done this to no, me. No, but this is I, I podcasting. Man. This I could have is- gone on just a flat out tyrant of, of foul language and, and you would is, you would have had to go back and either edit it out or lose me as a friend forever. This is podcasting, which means the mm-hmm. rules of normal radio do not apply. Plus right, let me tell you what rule does apply. <laughs> Cameron, you ready? Here we go. Cameron, you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. All right. <laughs> I'm leaving all that in. Okay. So so there's this trend and I'll explain this for people listening along, called quiet quitting. And what this is, is there's a lot of people right now that apparently, first of all, aren't working because they just don't want to. 
And yeah. so we have record, like the the economy is not great and it's obviously getting worse and it's going to get worse. But at the same time, we have this weird lack of participation in the economy. And a lot of this came out of the pandemic where people got paid to sit on the couch. Right. And then they didn't want to go back to work. Well, there's also a bunch of people that saw a bunch of people quit their job and go to something else. And like, well, screw this. I don't like this job. So quiet quitting yeah. is where you just do enough to barely get by. Like Peter in office space right when he's meeting with the bobs and they're like they're like uh so what would you that's say great. you do here at Inatech? you know bob great... i really just do just enough to not get the you know not get somebody that is a back. brilliant reference yeah. that might be the greatest reference you've ever had that is exactly what it is <laughs> it is and so i i i'm fascinated by this concept because i don't know how to not be industrious and i know you're the same way Meaning, meaning you don't know how to not produce. Yeah, and no. I don't mean produce a podcast because clearly right. you don't need to do that. You don't know how to start <laughs> one. I don't know how to do that. You don't know how to not create or not work or not do something. Yes, but don't you think it's part of it? And not to not to bring our faith into it immediately from the get go. But there is there are proverbs. There's something to me. There is something biblical and godly about we 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 have been created as humans to work. Yes. I mean, this is not a we don't work just to make money, to fund our families, to fund our 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 lifestyles, to go on trips. We work because our work gives us a purpose, even sometimes. And I think this is the interesting part of the quiet quitting is does work does the work that you work nine to five? Right. Is that what has to give you purpose? Could you could you say work nine to five and have a job where you're getting paid and that is what is, um, you know, feeding you? And then let's say at six o'clock, you go volunteer to animal shelter for two hours. Could that be your purpose? And then the question comes in is, are you getting enough? Are you getting fulfilled enough by your purpose? Because the quiet quitting to me, it's one of those things where I get it and I get the temptation to do it. I definitely understand that. And I think there was a temptation to do it, especially if you had a job. Yeah, maybe even if, if you have a job where you are being fulfilled, I, the temptation to be lazy and not work, or in my case, procrastinate. That's what I'm bad at, but I guess that's another subject. The temptation to do that has always been there, but now it's becoming like a popular thing. And here's a question I have for you. If you are doing just enough, and let's think of this from a, 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 a no, like a business standpoint. If you're doing just enough not to get fired, are you an asset to your company and are you being fair to that company and that is a sincere question because i don't know that i know the answer to that so my question is no you're not being fair to that company but it ties okay. into what you said earlier first of all i know you've known you for a long time yes you're a procrastinator so am i <laughs> you and i are actually very similar in a lot of ways but you and i do not procrastinate because we are lazy we procrastinate because there's something else we want to do we're doers that's yes, our but personality. Well, true, but sometimes for me that that thing I want to do is lay on the couch and watch oh, yeah. uh, and watch Simpson reruns. No, but I'm not and I'm not saying that I'm also not saying that being a procrastinator is a good thing. I'm just saying that there's people right. who procrastinate because all they want to do is lay on the couch. For you typically yeah. and for me typically if we're procrastinating on one thing it's because we started another thing before yeah. we got the one thing done. And that's typically yeah. where that leads with us. But to answer your question, I would say no because here's I, this I've I've sort of developed my own philosophy on work, but most of it I got from my dad. Right. Um. And that philosophy is, and this is honestly, I've done this from the time I was in my twenties, and it served me well. So I'll just put it out there. 
treat yourself like you're the CEO of Self Incorporated. Mm -hmm. Treat your boss like they're your customer. Yeah. And treat your work like it's your product and it will change your life. Now, let me explain yeah, those components. That's good. I like when you that. say treat when I say treat yourself like you're the CEO of self incorporated and your boss like they're your customer, it changes the way you view the boss employee relationship. If you owned this business, what would you do? In yeah. other words, how much would you want your customers to keep coming back? How much would you want your customers to pay a premium for the product that you offer because it's better than any of the competition? And how hard would you work to make that customer happy? Because you're the one who's putting your name on it. When you think of it, it stops. you stop thinking about your boss as the man that's keeping you down and you start thinking of yourself as the man or woman that is propelling you forward. And when you change that dynamic in your mind, it revolutionizes how you go about doing work to begin with. And then when we talk about the work itself as the product that ties into that, because we want to, if we owned the business. So what I always tell people is I'm like, will you go? Because your natural answer to that is, well, yeah, but the man is unfair and the man makes right. me work Saturdays and all this kind of right. stuff. And I'm like, well, find a new damn customer. Because if you have a yeah. rude customer or a customer that won't pay his bills or a customer that yeah. doesn't think your product is worthy, if your product is worthy because you've been treating your work as your product, the yeah. competition would love to have you. And that's the thing. So in your, in your, in your analogy, the new customer is a new job. Yeah, and and so yeah. so what I what I want to say to anybody who says I'm going to quiet quit because I just don't think I'm getting what's fair from this company. Yeah, prove you don't get what's fair from this company by being the best that company has, and then taking your work elsewhere, and then they're going to be sorry. But if you just go, I'm just going to do the best I can. How much opportunity are you missing out on yeah. not being able to put your current boss as a reference for your next job? Yeah. How much well, opportunity you're missing out by not creating a reputation for yourself? for being the guy or gal who goes above and beyond and gets the stuff done because yeah. again you're in control of your career and that's how you start where I started as a shipping yeah. manager doing boxes in the basement yeah. of a company to yeah. you know doing all the different things that I've done and so you know it, it, a lot of this sounds like I, I'm a big Adam Carolla fan I love his podcast yeah, I love what he's done with his podcast meaning you know he got fired from his radio job or got basically got let go because um, uh, because the radio station he was on, I think uh, KLAX or something like that in Los Angeles, uh, was downsizing. Um, he had a successful radio show. Basically, when that happened, he turned it into a self-employment opportunity, which I think is what – I, I think that's so much of an answer to a lot of this is that there are – yes, there are the, – the, I don't know if I'd call it the easy route, but number one, there are good – companies out there because i think the biggest thing one of the biggest things that's come out of the pandemic and this I idea of quiet quitting um is this idea of people have just gotten with many of the companies they've gotten fed up right and they've yeah. gotten fed up yeah. with for a variety of reasons and therefore they've like okay i'm just going to do enough to get by because i want the income and i don't have to go through the process of finding a new customer i.e I, a new job yeah but you know what they're 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 in a position where they're not necessarily uh, maybe can't fire us, but at the same time, how as you as a person, as a professional, as a just someone, and because and this goes for everybody, because I mean, how are you going to grow if your attitude is I'm just going to do the least amount possible? And my wife Susan is an incredible example of this because she actually just watching her work, 
I thought I had a decent work ethic. Right, right before she and I got married, I was traveling all over the country for the company that I still work for that I love called LHC Group. I was traveling all over the company um, doing uh, trainings, and I love my job. I love what we stand for as a company. I lo- love what we do as a company. Love that you know we are serving um, in many places, very rural areas of America. Um, and regardless whether we're in a rural environment or we're in one of our, our urban environments of, of, of our um, uh, of the area that we care for, um, and we're a home health care hospice and LTAC company, so we're in healthcare, but we're taking care of elderly people for the most part. And you just find, even in my position, which is not, I'm not hands-on with patients, but I find so much purpose in indirectly being hands-on with patients because I can train our clinical staff and our operations staff and our sales staff from the sense of, hey, let's forget about all the things that make our job hard. And this was this is literally part of my job. And let's refocus on what made you want to be a nurse in the first place. Go out and let that be your focus today, that you are truly, when you go to bed at night, you are changing. You have changed a, a, a woman, an elderly woman who doesn't get visited by her family much anymore. You changed her day. You brought sunshine to her day. Find purpose in that. Um, but because of that, I used to think I had a great work ethic. And then I met Susan. And Susan has since since we've been married, she had a job working at a local radio or local television station as a uh, sales executive. She has quit that. She is now working on her own on something she's always dreamed of doing. And Leland, what you just went through is, is, is and, and give me that give me that analogy again, because I, I, I want to write it down. It's, yeah. it's let's so tell me what it is tre- again. Treat yourself like you're the CEO of Self Incorporated. Yeah. Treat your boss like they're your customer. Yeah. Treat your work like your product, and it'll yeah. change your life. So if she does that from a simple, uh, like a self-employment situation, her boss and her customer is basically her and her product is what she's creating. She has, it's not that she, and she is a, the moment we got married and we started working when, when, when she and I started living together the day after we got married, um, or I guess the day we got married, I started watching her work ethic, her work ethic moving in uh, to the house we, we, we moved into her work ethic. Um, for the company that she did work for, she doesn't have an off switch. Right. She doesn't have, she's not capable of like, she couldn't when look during the pandemic, it was easy for all of us. Wasn't it? Especially if we were working remotely, which most of us were teams became a big thing. Um, uh, you know, all these uh, zoom became a big thing. It was so easy to knock off at three 30. Wasn't it? Yeah. Just to stop at three 30. Nobody would know. You've got your work done for the day. And yes, you could go further and maybe get get ahead on tomorrow or, you know, start working on that project that is due in two weeks. And in my case, that would be probably the hardest thing because oh, that's due in two weeks. What do I need to get started on now? It would be so easy to knock off at 3.30. But I go back to the point I made earlier is that I don't think as human beings, and of course, I get that this is whether how you view the reason humans exist. But as someone who believes in a biblical worldview and looks at the Bible and says the Bible talks about us having purpose in our work and that work is good, then what I found is if I am not working and I've gone through this and, and Susan Susan has been a great bouncing board for me. Um, if if there are and there are times during the pandemic when I felt useless, right? And man, there's nothing. I, I want to say this carefully because I know it's not. This isn't a true statement, but to me, it, it might be true. There's nothing that leads me down the path of depression than feeling useless. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're quiet quitting, to me, that is a 
one of the uh, scary is probably not the right word, but one of the things that that could cause is, man, all of a sudden, if you're not, if you're just doing enough to get by and you're not finding your purpose somewhere else, because I don't know that you have to find it in your nine to five, but you're not finding a reason to get up in the morning and you're not finding fulfillment in something, then to me, that that can so easily de- lead down the road to depression. So, so a couple things. Um, I want to revisit something you said at the beginning, but before I do, let me just comment on that. Um, I think it's generational. And, you know, the, yeah. pre- the president said the other day that he thinks that all adults should get some kind of, I don't remember the exact words, but it was some kind of like check on anxiety. The anxiety meaning levels, uh, in uh, meaning that there's a lot of people with mental illness in America right now. We have yes, a very and, and high, there are. And, yeah, and, but, and, and but, but let's be clear about something real quick. Mental, because this, this is a does a stickler for me. Mental illness does not mean necessarily suicidal. No, it does not mean it's paranoid schizophrenia. It does not mean bipolar. It does not. It means all of that. Plus, it means ang- anxiety disorder. Right. Whether but, it's it's it also means depression. Yeah. But let I me mean, let me make this point because because this right, is really really important because I just, right. right what I'm getting at is that this is generational and we have an entire generation of people who've been raised without purpose. Because yeah. we have destroyed the nuclear family unit, there right. are there are curriculums right. in our schools that are deliberately open about destroying the family unit. Yeah, there is a purposeful move to destroy the family unit. We don't have men as role models in young boys' lives. We don't have complete whole families, and it doesn't mean that you know. I'm not. I'm not saying you know. You if you get married, there's no possibility of divorce. That's not my point. Right. But yeah. you can still be a family even if the marriage doesn't work out. And you have an obligation to still be a family even if the marriage doesn't work out. We have a lack of that. And it is leading to a generation of young people who feel like the world is against them. Yeah. They have no purpose. And everything they've been taught from day one that they are a victim. They fit in this category or that category or this silo or this side. You can only tell somebody that's young so many times that you don't fit in and everybody hates you. You're this victim. Here's your victim card. And then expect them to be able to go out and be productive citizens. And then on top of that, we just went went through two years of hell where we had a government that literally shut down unnecessarily an entire society for political purposes and left these people who are being raised with no sense of purpose, as you pointed out, with literally nothing to do but sit at home and watch Netflix and collect a check. And now they all right. have to go back to work, and right. they're, they're like, I don't want to do this. you know. And so it's generational because you and I yeah. were raised different. Your dad's a hardworking dude. And he's always been a productive guy. He's always put his hand to the plow, so to speak, and and taught you that way. And you and I were raised very similar in that sense. So, I mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you because I agree with you, about, but I wasn't trying to launch into a conversation about mental illness so much as just pointing <laughs> out, just pointing out that the president is saying everybody's got anxiety. Go see your therapist. I'm like, that's not the answer. Well, right? wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. It is part of the answer because I am. And this is where I was getting ready to say uh, before you jumped in, and I you, fine jumping in because I do it to you all the time, but all of us, every single one of us, I don't care who you are, what your condition is. We all need a counselor. 
Okay. We oh, I all agree. Need yeah. One. No, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So it is part of the answer. However, the other part of the answer is we all need a purpose. Okay. I can go back to the cliches of uh, Rick Warren's a purpose driven life. If I want to, if I want to, if I want to go down the faith route, but to me, it's just a matter of, so I went to India about, I think 11 years ago or so. Um, and I was there and we, we were running around with an elderly gentleman um, named Guna and Guna is a um, Indian um, a, of the country India and um, uh, is a Christian missionary there and he and I got into several fascinating conversations about things he changed my outlook on something and that is retirement he said to me he goes and and, and uh, he said Cameron he goes what is it with you and the Americans and this thing called retirement he said there is nothing in the Bible about retirement and I sat there and I thought he's right the Bible doesn't miss now. There's some other things the Bible doesn't speak to as well that might be um, that might be part of everyday society. But when it comes to retirement, what the Bible does speak about is the value of work and the value of putting, as you said earlier, your hand to the plow and finding your purpose in that and laying your head down at night and having done a good day's work, whether it is for you personally, whether it's for a company that reimburses you for that work. And to your point earlier, if you don't feel like that company reimburses you fairly, there are other companies out there that might. Yeah. And there are definitely a lot of people started around think this is part of it too. A lot of people realize that, you know what? I don't want to work for a certain company, whether they're paying me well or not, because I don't feel like this company has a great culture. Yeah. It is, it is, it's one thing to be paid well. It's also one thing to feel appreciated outside of your paycheck. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing that all companies struggle with to some degree, more, some more than others. But to, do you know how simple it is? Um, I, I mean, you, you, as far as well, let's go to the love languages, right? Uh, um, Chapman's love languages, right? The, the simple attitude we all have and learn to feel or we all have different ways of feeling appreciated and loved and realizing what those things are, whether it's words of affirmation, whether it's um, actions, acts of service, uh, whether it's um, um, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on the other three right now. But no matter what they are, finding out what that is, it's so easy to go up to somebody. And say to them, hey, you know that job you did last week on that project? That was fantastic. You you knocked that out of the park. I mean, I work for a company that's pretty fantastic at doing that kind of thing. Okay, but, but other people don't. And right. think about it, if you're quiet quitting, you might be quiet quitting because you're used uh, to what we went through the pandemic, but also you might be quiet quitting because you just don't feel appreciated. Yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to that for a minute. Have you heard of Gary John Bishop? I believe I have, but well, he's, remind me why. He's been on this podcast before, which you okay. co-host, but you weren't there that day. So, right, so I've never heard of you him. Because uh, you were quite quitting. But, um, <laughs> but he, I love his his book is called Unf Yourself, okay? Uh-huh, yeah. And he, he, is a, he is a radical personal responsibility attributor. Uh, a, a and one of, yeah. yeah, one of the things that he says, and I fully agree with this, and this is a very important concept because I get what you're saying and I agree with you. But let's go back to the point that I'm making when I say treat yourself like your CEO. Yeah. OK, it's not about them. It is about you and not about them being who understand, who's them. It, understand when you say, well, my company doesn't appreciate me or it doesn't speak yeah. my love language. It doesn't I, matter from their point. That, 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 look at here's what I'm saying. You are not responsible for other people's actions or inactions. True. Sometimes those other people's actions and in, inactions do have effects on you and your life, but you are the only one 
who can control how you react to it. That is true. So what I'm talking about is the long game here. If you have a company that doesn't want to speak your love language, I'm not saying that's not important, but I am saying that the only way to get to that place where you are in that place, where you have that purpose, where the people around you appreciate you is to actively move towards surrounding yourself with this. This is another important that, concept. Yes, absolutely. Is, right? The The yeah. first step in that, and I've told yeah. a million people this that have asked me for advice on this stuff, the first step in that is if you're pushing a broom in a lobby of a big skyscraper and you feel yep. unappreciated by the executives yep. that walk around in three-piece suits, it, do, it that's fine. But you still have a responsibility to push that broom better than anyone else around you because that is the only thing you yeah. can control. You cannot control if those men in three-piece suits pay any attention to you. Let me tell you a quick True. story. I'll tell you a quick story. I, I was when I was chance this is quick, but go ahead. Well when I was when I was um in in that position as a shipping manager, my uniform yeah. was khakis yeah. and a polo shirt. And the company that I worked for was on the bottom floor of the basement and the top floor of the tallest building in downtown Lexington. They were great people to this day. They're my friends. They were wonderful to tallest me. Tallest building in downtown Lexington? Which the one would that be? third bank building, baby. I'm, I'm well aware. So so I would travel from the – I'd be back and forth between our offices at the very top and our offices at the bottom. So I would be on the elevators going back and forth. And as you know, there's a lot of bank executives and lawyers uh-huh. and really True. wealthy, high-end people that work in True. that building. And um, one day I was going up the elevator to go see something that I needed to do at the very top. And I'm wearing my khakis and my polo shirt. And um, there's two guys get on the elevator, three-piece suits, you know, smelling like they just walked out of a Gucci store. And uh, and, and I they don't acknowledge me. And I go, hey, guys, how you doing? And they just looked at me. And then they look back around and continue their conversation. They didn't pay any attention to me. And I got mad. I got mad. That's and I un- movie. under my breath, I was like, one of these days I'll buy and sell you, Jack. <laughs> but so so the next That's day, movie. That's so, the, great. so the next day I go home and I put on my suit and I have nice suits. Right. I've always had nice suits because my dad's a preacher and he taught me how to buy a suit. So even though right. I don't wear a suit every day, my suits are nice. They're well tailored. They're high quality. <laughs> I put on a suit. I wear it to work. It was funny. My boss was like, what are you doing? I said, oh, it's a little experiment. And he goes like, OK. I get on the elevator. I swear to God, Cameron, I swear to God, the same two guys got on the elevator. They looked at me. They go, how you doing, man? I said, hey, I'm having a great day. How are you? Now, let me (laughs) tell you what I did in that situation. I still I didn't punch them in the face because of what they did to me the day before. I walked on their level and I proved to myself I have the same intrinsic value, whether I'm wearing khaki pants or a three piece suit. Let me ask you how I act is what did matters, you, not how they act. Knew, did you need to prove that to yourself? At the time, or yes. were you proving it to them without no, no, no. them knowing the time, a lesson At the time, it was about me. It okay, was a lesson right. that I was learning that part of it is, okay, this is another component of this. You have, you have to present yourself in the best way possible. It's part of the package. It's part of the brand. Young people Listen, love to talk about for the job you want, not the job yeah, you have. Kind of deal. Young people like talk about my brand, my brand, like, like people <laughs> getting so married. Funny. Now this whole generation, they're hiring brand managers for their wedding. Uh, I swear to God. But if you want to talk about your brand, then what you wear matters, how you carry yourself matters. Your hygiene matters, how you speak matters. All of these things matter. But the point yeah. I'm making, the broader point I'm making is, you, I, I literally changed those guys' opinion of me for that moment, in that moment. Yeah, and I realized, right. I realized, this is what I took away from that. Yeah. I controlled them. Yeah. They didn't control me. By making a subtle change yeah. that appealed to how they wanted to see the world, 
I moved in on their turf. Okay. Right. So we yeah. have we have a responsibility so we can talk about how my company doesn't appreciate me, yeah. but we control our well, own. Actions. Here's the thing. But here's the thing. I'm, I'm not. And you're exactly right. And this is what's great about the, this conversation. This might be one of our best ones ever um, is that is that it's you're looking at it from the standpoint of personal responsibility, yes. which is all, as you accurately say, all we can control is our actions. We cannot control anyone else's actions. We cannot control what anyone else says. We cannot control that. We only can control how we respond to what someone says or what someone does. And therein lies the personal responsibility as well. However, on the other side of it, on a bigger scale, when it comes to these companies that are frustrated with the quiet quitting, yeah, there is a solution and it's not an expensive one. And I want to make sure that's stated as well, because sure. again, I look for, I work for a big company that is fantastic at number one, being humble enough to realize, you know what, there are areas we can get better at. We need to get better at them. That's one of the reasons I love working for LHC group is it's a company that is the culture says we're not perfect. Right. So we're going to listen. How can we be better? But one of the things that I've noticed about my company is that we sometimes we are fantastic at do, and, and we need the reminders. And when I say company, I'm, I'm, I'll just say me. I need reminders of, you know what? Part of my job is to tell people who work with me, not work for me, work with me. You know what? You're valued. Now, saying it that way doesn't mean a whole hill of beans to some people. It might mean, you know what, a little trinket. It might mean something else. And so if I'm a company and I'm frustrated by the quiet quitting or I'm frustrated by the fact that there's no workforce, hey, what can that company company's personal responsibility, have? it has some too, right. right? Because you can't sit there and just complain about the fact that there's no workers. Let's go out and make sure we're not losing workers by making sure everybody feels appreciated. And let's find in a company's point of view, it's not necessarily financial. It can be, but there are also other ways by just making people feel appreciated, yeah, okay? I, I My agree. wife worked for a company in which she was paid well, but she did not feel appreciated every time she hit a goal or she hit a a um uh incentive it was not congratulations we are so proud of you we you, we knew you could do it and we so need you it was we need more right right we need more that's why she's no longer there right. she got tired of not being appreciated she got tired of the chaos and so she's gone and that does in fact give her a chance now to work on something she's always dreamed about doing starting her own company that has a very specific purpose yeah but let me tie these two things together i know Listen. your wife too and i highly doubt that she quiet quit i imagine she no, just, i guarantee i know she i know did her she job did. to the best of no, her she ability just quit. and then she went and started her own but thing Whatever your name is, Leland. <laughs> thing my is, she doesn't know. Would my you name. rather? Would you rather an employee quiet quit or quit? I'd rather them quit because See, I don't I, like passive aggressivity. I I don't. But Keith? but let me go back to let me tie these two things together because I'm not disagreeing okay. with you on on where companies need to be. But it is my contention that if you conduct yourself in the in this way that I'm talking about, CEO of Self Incorporated, bosses your customer. Your customer, yeah. Work is your product. That you will end up write in a down. position where you will be able to make those kinds of changes in the company yes. that you're in. Because you're gonna be a leader. That's that's what leaders do. When you because this is this I know you're a leader at your company. I know your wife was a leader and now she's got her own company. Right. My wife is a leader in her company. You you will become a leader when you have this attitude because it's natural because you're going to be the guy that comes to be like well he always does what you can you can affect that culture and you can tell your team 
And you have a responsibility to, because I fully agree with you. You and I have been in radio a long time, and you and I both know that this is a hard business. And this is a business where a lot of times the higher-ups yep. do not do the things we're talking about here. But right. you and I, and I, I can say this, and I sleep at night, I will lay my head on the pillow. Every person that I have ever had working under me as like a producer or a staff member of the show, and you have done yeah. the same thing because I have watched you do this. This is why yeah. we're friends. I have treated them with respect. I yeah. have shown them respect. I have shown them thanks. And as a result of that, 99% of them have had my back every single time. And I know yeah. you've experienced the same thing because I've seen you appreciate our producers. I've always appreciated them. I've always slipped them yeah. something on the side to say, hey, here, yeah. I just want you to know you do a lot for us. See? And, yeah. and that's that's the area we can control Yes. And, and, and that has made us more successful, Cameron, because Agreed. those guys have kept those buttons and that dump button where it's supposed to be. And they've <laughs> kept they have done what they they, they have been gatekeepers yeah. for us so that we sound smart, unlike yeah. the stupid idiots that we are. And they've yeah. had our back because we've treated them that way. So I fully agree, but just kind of bringing it full circle. Which, yeah, it's both, right? And yeah. but exactly, that's how I feel. It's but both. we still have that responsibility personally. And I'm, right. I'm telling you, when you go back to, I love what you said at the beginning about tying this to the biblical aspect. Yeah, God loves productivity. Why? Because productivity is a version. We're created in His image. Productivity is a mini human version of creation. That's what it is, and that's mm -hmm. why God blesses it. Right? We don't create the seeds that grow the plants, but God blesses us putting them in the ground and tending to them and watering them and protecting them and then yep. harvesting them and then forming them and then selling them because that's creation. right? Yep. And so when we come back to whose responsibility is it for us, if everyone around us is doing the wrong thing, yeah. who's supposed to do the right thing? Yeah, We are. Yeah. Well, so, look at it this way. And, I, and this is this is turning because you bring it back full circle on, to the biblical aspect. Number one, the first thing after the fall in Genesis two, three. Gosh, I should know. Uh, the first thing the first thing after the fall was what did God do? Right. Yeah. When he after he created man, it was after the fall. It was go to work. Right. Go to work. OK, right. so right. I mean, there are all kinds of I mean, Colossians three twenty three is kind of one of my go to verses just as whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart yes. as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Yeah. So kind of that verse alone, because you brought up the idea of passive aggressivity with quiet quitting. I've never looked at it that way, but I've looked at it in this way and said, you know what? If I'm not giving my all at whatever I do, and I'll be the first to tell you, I don't always, right. but this is my verse of conviction. This is the verse that I go back to and say, okay, am I doing this with all my heart as if I'm working for God, not working for man? Because if I'm not out doing the best I can, let's look at this. And again, I, I'm, I'm turning this into a sermon and I don't mean <laughs> That's to okay. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. The, the bottom line is, is that if I am to be an ambassador of Christ, then I can't necessarily be out there and not doing my best because I've heard so many stories of people whose jobs were appreciated even before they were appreciated simply because the the boss steps stops by and finds someone's cubicle a lot cleaner than everyone else's and is impressed. Right. And that person may not necessarily the person next door may be just as hard and effective and efficient worker, but this person with their with their clean desk, man, okay, that stands out to me. Right. I mean, it's it's an adder. It, and again, I can't control what that boss thinks, feels, or says about my clean desk because, to be perfectly honest, I don't think I've ever had a clean desk. But yet, that makes that makes it look as though you're willing to go the extra step. Um, I, um, 
Dr. Jordan Peterson, right? You, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I think both of us are big fans of his, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. One of the things he said at, at some, I think it was in his first book, um, uh, and he said, it was one of the chapters even, the, the whole point was that we have a generation right now that desperately wants to go out and change the world, right? That, right. that is a lot of what the millennial generation wants to do. They want to go out and change the world. That's awesome and wonderful, and, and thank God for that attitude. That's how they should think. But is your bed made? Right. And that meant a lot to me because yeah. I started thinking, you know what? I've been someone who has always felt like I felt called to ministry, i.e. in my world, in my, in my belief, I feel called to change the world with my, with my faith and my personal testimony and going out and sharing um, what the Bible says because right. I have found it to be true in my life. Yeah. And yet all of a sudden I started realizing I've done that now coming up on 25 years next June is my bed made. How can you possibly go out and change the world if your own world's a mess? Yeah, yeah, I love that, and that's cool. and I and I thought that was just so. So when it comes to quiet, quiet quitting, it's I like that you said it's it's kind of a passive aggressive thing, but it's even beyond that. It's you're not giving your best, and if you yeah. are a believer like I am, then pass then quiet quitting isn't necessarily an option. I don't right. think because well, it's a matter of you know what. I have to give my best because I am not doing this for the glory of man. I am doing this for the glory of God. Correct. And, and I had I, a friend one time. I'll, 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 I'll no, wrap this up by saying this. I had a friend one time, and I use this story a lot, who was brand new. I won't mention any company or anything, but he was a brand new salesperson. First job out of college. First job out of college. And he did his – he was blowing away sales records in this company. So much so that the owner of the company flew in to take him to lunch. Flew into Lexington to take him to lunch. This is just a national company. Flew in to take him to lunch and said, what are you doing? Tell me what you're doing. I, I, I got to duplicate what you're doing all over the place. And my friend who sheep, he said sheepishly, he said it, but he goes, he meant it. He goes, you know what? I, I just work as though I'm working for God. He goes, I know, I, I know I have been blessed mildly by my relationship with Jesus mm. and, and what he has given me. And I owe him a lot. And I am called, and I think he even quoted Col Colossians 3.23 to me. I am called to work for God more so than I am called to work for man, which means everything I do, if I am at a company that I feel like has purpose and meaning, or in my dad's case, sold insurance for 35 years, just so he had could put food on the plate for his family, he worked his tail off mm -hmm. for those people, us, and did it because, you know what, this is what God would expect from me. I'm to be at my best. Am I going to fail? Yes, and, it's, and I always feel obligated to throw it in there. I fail, you fail, we're going to fail at being this, but the goal is perfection. I look at my college career. We, we could make a minor mistake and get ripped for it. Yeah. And yes, that did get tiresome until we stopped making those tire, th those little mistakes. And all <laughs> right. of a sudden we won, we went to three championship games and won two championships right. because we had coaches that did not settle for mediocrity. And when we allow ourselves to settle for mediocrity, yes. we're mediocre. Yes. Whether it's quiet quitting or not, it leads to mediocrity. You, you just nailed it, Cameron, when you said when we settle for mediocre, we yeah. are mediocre yeah. and we are getting up every morning, not for all those people that we are mad at or are victimizing us or doing this to us or that to us. Right. Who are we getting up for? And as yeah. as 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 Christians, obviously, we're getting up for God, but right. also just as people, you're mm -hmm. getting up for yourself, for your family. Yeah. Your family deserves the best, right? My wife deserves the best. So if I'm going to put my hand to it and I'm going to put my name to it, at the end of the day, if I'm not happy with what I'm getting yeah. in return for that, I'm going to start looking for something else. 
Yeah. But I am still going to do my very best because you know what? When I leave, I want them to miss me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, but what, what you said, I you're got, also I got, making yourself uh, in some sense unfirable. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Attitude. In a lot of ways. Because, because yeah. you're one of these people that can be counted on. Yeah. And even that, how about this? Uh, to me, you mentioned the people that you want to be there for by, by having that kind of work ethic. Let, if whether you like your leaders or not, what about your coworkers? Right. I mean, right. what about being there for them? Not just getting up and and getting up for God, or getting up for your family, or getting up um, for yourself. But what about getting up for those that you serve next to? Right. In whatever line that you serve. Right. Or your or saying, your, you know what? your company's customers, the people we that are your team, company because, exists for. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I, and I'll tell you this. And, and go, my, uh, I'll go back and make one more basketball reference. Or analogy. In 1998, I had um, I remember feeling this vividly in 98. I felt it to some degree in the other three years I was at UK. But in 98, and it, it, I think all of us felt this way to some degree. I know I did. I was not petrified and terrified of disappointing Tubby Smith or Mike Sutton, the assistant coach, or um, uh, or any of our assistants. I, I, or I was not petrified or terrified of disappointing UK fans. I was terrified of disappointing 13 other dudes on that team. Mm, yeah. I didn't want to let them down yeah. because we all had a goal and we were a small pot. We were 14 guys with the goal of being national champions or doing something special in 1998. The last thing I wanted to do, look, if I disappointed Tubby Smith, okay, he was my coach for one year. I just, I disappointed him. Right. 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 But if I disappoint Jeff Shepard or Scott Padgett, Right. Or uh, Nazi Muhammad or Jamal McGlure or Shimu Evans or Wayne Turner or Alan Edwards. If I disappoint one of those dudes, they're at my neck the rest of my life. Right. Because at that point, we were family. Yeah. And family analogy or not, you do not want to disappoint family. Yeah, that's really awesome. I love it. All right. Last thing, um, because it kind of ties into all this. No chance this has been only 20 minutes, and I knew we wouldn't do it. No, it's been 40. Um, yes. But <laughs> but it's been a good conversation. All right. What was the most creative thing you did when you were a kid to get revenue, to make money? Oh, shoot. Man, I was you know where this comes from? Is I, I tweeted yesterday. Yeah, I was like, it's, it's, it's cliche. It was like a lemonade stand, maybe trying to sell baseball cards. Finally, when I got old enough, I started mowing. That, and, and it's not creative, but it was hey. what you could do because it's what I had the skill yeah. set to do. Well, see, I grew up in Arizona. We didn't have mowing. grass. So, yeah, uh, so you rake you raked, you raked rocks. So I raked rocks, um, but that was just for my mom. I collected cans yeah. and gas, uh, glass bottles. Yeah. And my dad bought me a can crusher and he attached it to the front porch of our trailer. Yeah. And I would pick up cans all day and then I would crush them and then put them in a bigger bag. When I got four big bags, he'd take me to Tucson and we'd turn them in and I'd get like $40 for them. Yeah. There you uh, go. And then I, I sold. Remember, yeah, you, you've told me that story before. I yep, remember that. I sold cupcakes too. Did you make the cupcakes? Yes, I made the cupcakes. Okay, but no, wait a minute, no, wait a minute. You need to tell that story differently. Selling you, saying you sold cupcakes. Well, I had an enterprise. You was part of a big conglomerate. You made cupcakes, and I, that is a better story. I had an enterprise. My mom and I would make the cupcakes, and I had three guys that worked for me, and I would yeah. pay them a portion of the profits, and then I would keep what was left over. And yeah. I was probably 11 at the time, and I probably made, after paying for expenses... And paying my guys, I probably made about $25 a week at 11 years old, 19. That's a fortune. Yeah, it First was. All, it was a That would have been enough to within a month to buy the great big aircraft carrier at G.I. Joe had. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you yes, could have bought yes, that. Yes, yes. All right. You I love you, bro. That. I know you got to run. Thanks yep. so much. It's good talking to you, and we will uh, we'll hit it again.
All right, buddy. All right, Cameron Mills joining us here on the, uh, the the Disruption Zone. Thanks to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, for continuing to help us out with all this. You can go to LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. They are uh, tremendous. We, they did our kitchen in Oldham County before we sold our house. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure that the beauty of that kitchen is the reason why the house sold in less than a day. So if you're thinking about remodeling your kitchen, this this is your place. You want to go to LCC, LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com, LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. They have stuff already in stock for you uh, if you are a do-it-yourselfer, but they've got designers on staff who are waiting to help you design the dream kitchen you have always been waiting for. 6200 Hit Lane, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, right there on the border of Oldham County and Louisville. If you're in southern Indiana, Louisville, or uh, Oldham County, this is your place. 502-930-3304, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Dynamics Audio Productions also helps us with this program. We appreciate their help. You can find them at dxaudio.com. Thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Leland Show. Um, you can also find Cameron Mills on Twitter at Cameron Mills Radio. It's Cameron Mills with a Z there. And then uh, we are on Twitter at, at Zone Disruption. Also on Instagram at Greatly Londo and at The Disruption Zone. You can uh, download the podcast for free, subscribe for free, share it with your friends for free, iHeartRadio's app, also on Apple Podcasts and Google uh, Google Play as well. Thank you for listening. Over 100,000 downloads and counting. We appreciate you helping us grow. I am Leland Conway. He's Cameron Mills. It is the Disruption Zone. Go.